We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to The Uncontested Podcast, talking Oklahoma City Thunder basketball and the wider NBA. Sam Presti said, lower the hatch, load up the cannon, and get the tank out rolling. Catch new episodes after each Thunder game and every Sunday night. This is a house of learning doctors. Follow The Uncontested on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to catch new content as it drops. I mean, a cat and a dog connected together? This is Lou Dork. You're listening to The Uncontested. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Uncontested Podcast. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Coming to you live at halftime of the NBA Finals Game 4 between the Bucks. And the Suns. We are on the Spotify Green Room app hosting a live show tonight. So, for everyone that's in the Green Room app with us, thank you so much for joining. If you are not on the Green Room app yet, we highly encourage you to go and download the app. Hang out with us every Monday and Wednesday and Fridays as we do live shows here from Green Room. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffen. I have along with me tonight, Nick Crane. Howdy, howdy. Well, We've got Kamiar Moravian in the chat. Man, you know, I'm just having a good time watching basketball, and I'm very, very excited that the draft is in like two weeks. <coughs> There's so much stuff going on, so I'm here, man. I'm here. Uh, yes, draft two weeks and uh, 24 hours from where we sit right at this recording, so... I expect things to start picking up. Taylor Peterson will be joining us shortly after he can figure out how to work technology. Um, I don't have much faith. So, uh, calm your Nick. Let's just jump right into stuff because I have a lot for us tonight. I want to start off. About 24 hours ago, we got news from all the major NBA outlets that Kawhi Leonard underwent a successful surgery to repair a partially torn ACL originally in the playoffs against the Utah Jazz. The Clippers were calling it a knee sprain. Um, We had word that Kawhi was upset with the Clippers medical staff. Uh, Apparently kept very under wraps that Kawhi's ACL was torn. Uh, Partial tear, he did go through surgery to repair that. I was interested, apparently, through um, a lot of doctors on Twitter, on Twitter and a lot of um, uh, 
history of partial ACL, ACL tears, it seems a partial tear, the recovery time is the same time as a, as a full tear. Uh, some people say a full tear is actually sometimes even better uh, because you can have a more clean surgery rather than trying to patch the ACL back up. So uh, obviously devastating news for Kawhi. It's looking like he will miss most of, if not all of the 2021-2022 NBA season. This has OKC implications, which we will get into. But first, I want to ask you guys, how do you think this affects free agency for Kawhi Leonard? We know he has a player option coming up in two weeks. Uh, Nick, does this make it more or less likely that Kawhi is going to pick up that that? Um, that's really tough. I think after seeing Kevin Durant get a full max contract, knowing that he was going to miss an entire season, um, would suggest that Kawhi could opt out and do the same. Like I think any contending team that's, that's got a window longer than one season would be willing to sign him to, uh, you know, a multi-year max contract. Um, in terms of the Clippers specifically, it's hard to say because I think the the tear itself doesn't have much to do with whether he'd resign or not. It's more about how much of the speculation that he was upset with the medical staff and that they misdiagnosed it and all that stuff. Um, that, to me, is more of the kind of determining. I think it's interesting considering like where he's been. I mean, the dude spent time in San Antonio, won some titles. He ends up, you know, there was an injury thing there, and he just won it out of San Antonio. He goes to Toronto, wins the title himself there. And then, of course, now he goes to the Clippers. And I thought maybe he would, I thought maybe he would be more likely to leave the Clippers, but then I started thinking about, well, I mean, Kawhi's already won his titles. He he won it. He's the guy that brought a title to Toronto. So is he more likely to leave and go with the Heat or back to the team with Paul George, who they very possibly well could have been in the Western Conference Finals during this year had they been healthy the entire year? So, like, is he is he done winning his titles? Does he want to go back to the titles at, like, the Western Conference Final next year and then possibly go to the NBA Finals again? I wonder what his prerogative is based upon that. Like, I would expect him to go back to uh, win some titles in L.A. That's a good point, Kami. That's what I was going to mention also. Like, I think the biggest thing for me with Kawhi, he's just such a wild card. Like, does he even care about him, like titles? I mean, he, he got one in Toronto. At this point, I almost wonder if he's just content riding his helicopter between San Diego and L.A. every day to go to practice and games and uh, living on the beach, living close to home, close to family, and, uh, you know, kind of is what it is for him. I, I really don't have a feel. Is it that, or like you said, does he is he hell-bent on winning more titles, um, therefore wanting to go to Miami and team up with Jimmy Butler, who apparently he wanted uh, what was on his quote-unquote list um, of players he wanted even before Paul George. Uh, and then when Jimmy decided to go a different direction, we all know the rest, uh, how the rest played out with Paul George going to L.A., getting traded to L.A., but um, I don't know. It's just quite such a hard card to read, and I'm uh, I'm curious, you know, like how, how him and his camp view this injury. Do you, it, It's very similar. It, 
has shades of like um, the whole San Antonio, San Antonio Spurs situation. And I'm just curious how that all plays out. Yeah, and Comer kind of touched on it there, but part of the reason he left San Antonio was because he was upset with the medical staff, right? So there is some precedence of him being at a place not liking the way the medical staff has treated him and diagnosed injuries and gone through his recovery and then decided to leave and go elsewhere. So it wouldn't be unprecedented for, for him to do something like that, which is, which is interesting. You know, um, I know that the Dallas Mavericks are, you know, one of the teams rumored to want to pursue him if he does opt out of that contract. Um, let, let's take a step away from Kawhi for just a moment and look at the Clippers as a whole. I mean, they're in a, I, knowing that, that Kawhi will not be playing next year if he's in the, for the Clippers or not, right? Because, because of the injury. The Clippers are in an interesting predicament because they do not control any of their draft capital for the next seven years. Um, they don't really have any young guys. If Kawhi walks, there's not much they can do to fill that hole. And one thing that I hadn't thought about until recently, um, they don't have Reggie Jackson's bird rights because Reggie Jackson um, signed with them in free agency uh, as, a, as a free agent on a minimum contract halfway through this season. So they don't have bird rights for Reggie. They can't like, you know, pull out the bag and pay Reggie to stay. I mean, what, what does this franchise do going into next year when they are very clearly in a win-now window? Yeah, there's not a think- lot of uh, opportunities for them to improve this team. I mean, it, you think of like Serge, who's coming off an injury, like you said, Jacob. You have um, Reggie, who's going to need to be paid. They have another uh, either a unre- unrestricted free agent or a restricted free agent. I can't remember who that is. Um that they're going to have to look at paying as well. And it's just, I, yeah, I'm with you guys, like, especially without a healthy Kawhi um, for the majority of the season heading into the playoffs. Like it's, it's going to be very, very tough for them to compete in this Western conference. Um, as we sit here tonight, the Phoenix suns are the team. Now, you know, you can say what you want about injuries to other teams, but um, honestly, the Phoenix suns, especially those first two games of the finals, looks like the best team in basketball, uh, regardless if the Clippers or the, the Lakers were completely healthy. So all of that to say, like, if they can't upgrade their team very much, are they even in the playoffs next year? Like, PG's going to have to play at his uh, quote-unquote MVP level, right? When he – he calls it his MVP season when he he uh, was voted third in, in uh, MVP um, voting <laughs> – with OKC, like I, I, there's just not a lot of options for them. I know they've yeah. been to Kyle Lowry still. Like, and, and like you said, Jacob, how they do that? Their their team is kind of old as well, Taylor. You know, I mean, Serge Ibaka has a player option next year. I don't think he's going to turn down nine point seven million because I don't think Serge gets it on the open market. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, they can start contract extension talks with Patrick Beverly, and he's already voiced that he wants to do that. Uh, I'm not extending Patrick Beverly, but I'm also not an NBA GM. Um, You know, besides that, I mean, you have a lot of players coming off the books, yet you are still significantly, significantly over the salary cap next year. Next year, they won't have cousins on the books, Reggie Jackson, Nick Batum, or Patrick Patterson. All of those guys are free agents. 
Um, they have decisions to make on Terrence Mann. Obviously, they'll pick that up. Daniel, I was say that's o- like their one young, yeah, not one, but their main young player, Daniel like Orturu. Uh, you know, Thunder, Thunder Tanker, Daniel Orturu. Um, yeah. They have an option on him, but besides that, they have what is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven guys under contract for next season. Um, granted, if Kawhi and and Serge opt in for $150 million. What do you think about a, um, kind of going back to KD again, where um, Golden State actually got D'Angelo Russell um, in a kind of a sign-in trade there. What if a team like like Dallas is intriguing to Kawhi and he knows that you know Luka is going to have that championship window open for at least the next five years? Um, I know... Christoph Porzingis isn't by any means going to fill the gap that Kawhi Leonard did, but at least you're getting something and it's a little bit better on your books. And it's probably the only way they can get any sort of void filled would be a sign. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I was even thinking too, Nick, like to that point, um, well, Jacob, you mentioned them not having young players or a, a very much youth on the, the roster, but I mean, as, as Thunder fans are very well aware, they don't have very many draft picks or valuable draft picks coming up that they still own either. Um, so I'm with you, Nick. That might be the, the best avenue. So I, I kind of present this question to you all. Would it be the worst thing for this franchise? And any Clippers fans who hear this are gonna, going to think I'm crazy or get angry or whatever. So be it. For Kawhi to leave, because then you can trade away Paul George <laughs> and get a bunch of you, – you can get a bunch of stuff in return, young players and picks, and just kind of start fresh. Um, I mean, I know the Clippers are in LA. They can attract free agents. They, they're a bigger market, but they aren't the Lakers. And I don't know. I, I just think of like before Kawhi, before PG, what superstar really wanted to go. Well, you had Chris Paul, you had Blake Griffin, but Blake Griffin, I, I don't know. I just, I don't see free agents wanting to go there. The at that Clippers point. historically you haven't signed awesome free agents. It's always been the Lakers. That's what you mean, right? Right, exactly. So like, would I don't know if I have the op- opportunity to go have um, Steve Ballmer r- rigorously rub my thighs. <laughs> Hard to turn down. Yeah, Just man. <laughs> that was like deep tissue. <laughs> I was concerned, bro. <laughs> Jimmy yes. Butler uh, goes in free agency, and uh, Steve Ballmer just leads him into a massage room. Yeah, that that I think Ballmer <laughs> Ballmer got that move from uh, what Rachel's Rachel Nichols did to Jimmy Butler. Hey, hey, let me tell you, the NBA is all about courtesy, okay, folks. <laughs> but but Nick, to your point of like a sign and trade with Dallas, like that's fascinating. My question would be like, what's the What's the motivation on Dallas's end? I mean, Dallas can can have the cap space anyways. Why not just keep Chris Stapps and 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 get Kawhi to to pair with those two? Because I don't think they have um, interest in signing Chris Stapps that much money long term. Um, so I mean, trading Chris Stapps essentially gets you Kawhi, also gets Chris Almost a lateral move. Like, if you're going to get Kawhi, if Kawhi wants to be there, yes, you could certainly sign him out right in free agency. But if you think the market for for Chris Stapps isn't going to be high and you can just kind of dump that salary and use his salary as signing Kawhi, I think that's a 
I, I think Dallas's options there are it to, in order to get the cap space this summer to outsign, outright sign Kawhi, you'd have to, to renounce the rights to guys like, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. and others. So really your option is, do you want to keep those guys, the Tim Hardaway Juniors and one or two of their other guys that are going to be free agents? Or do you want to keep Chris Stapps? Um, because in order to clear cap space or sign and trade, you have to do one of the two. So it, it, it's interesting. Um, well, the Thunder own the Clippers' unprotected first-round pick next season. That pick yeah. just climbed in value due to this Kawhi Leonard injury. My question for you guys now is, what? how much did that pick climb in value? Is it the best interest for the Thunder to just hold on to that pick and see, you know, hey, Kawhi's injured, maybe Paul George turns an ankle and misses 15 games and the Clippers end up in the lottery and we, and we roll the dice? Or is this now one of those assets that has become valuable enough that becomes a very intriguing piece uh, for a trade at this draft? Like, like what are your guys' thoughts on, on that, that particular asset at this point? I think, because I think we talked about this shortly after, because I, I, was, I, was, I was immediately in the, in the slack saying, hey, wait, when was that first pick with the Clippers? Was it 2022 or 2023? Because the pick immediately I thought, oh my gosh, this thing's going to be a lot better than like the 20th something pick now this year. And it depended upon, yes, I think I already climbed in value. Um, but I don't know if, I don't know if you trade it right now, like in a pro, you know prospective draft for this year, next year, whatever. Um, I don't know that you trade that now considering you don't know if Kawhi is leaving or not. Because if Kawhi leaves, then holy crap, that pick is just far more valuable uh, than it was before. And so I think I, I wonder how long you would wait to trade that pick if you felt like you needed to. But yeah, I think it skyrocketed, but not as far as it possibly could go. Interesting. It, it, this becomes a very fun debate on at what point is value the highest and do you sit on it? And I mean, the Thunder could sit on that pick, not trade it, during this draft and then August 5th um, the Clippers pull off a, a trade to get somebody and that's really going to help that team. And then that pick looks like it's going to be in the mid twenties again, or you could hold on to it. And like I said, you know, Paul George rolls an ankle next season and that picks looking like it's going to be number 10 in the draft. So like, do you roll the dice? Did it climb enough in value that it can get you something in this draft? It's, Taylor, Nick, what do you guys think about that? Because I think it's a very interesting conundrum that they find themselves in. Yeah, I think I think you know Taylor, obviously, just like speculating here hypothetically. Um, you know, if, if Kawhi were to walk, there we go. Um, might it be in the best interest for the Clippers to try to trade Paul George rather than pseudo build a team around him? I think at this point we can confidently say like Paul George cannot be the number one guy on a championship team. So. And we saw it in Houston last year, right? Like it was um, much more drastic. There was many more signs pointing to like James Harden winning out. But who's to say if Kawhi walks, Paul George doesn't say, or we, we find out kind of a similar situation with Oklahoma City. Paul George says, I'm re-signing. We're going to give it another go, see how things work out. Who's to say that there's not already some sort of unspoken thing that PG's already said when he re-signed his contract. If Kawhi walks, I'm going to request a trade. And that might be something that's, 
already been discussed, you know, for, for over a year now, like, who knows? Like there's, there's so many unknowns and, and obviously front office folks know more than us on that front one way or the other. Um, and I think that's, that's certainly something to think about that, that Clippers pick next year. And even in the future, um, like Jacob said, this could be the, the highest, the trade value could be before it plummets back down. If Kawhi resigns or, um, you can end up trading it right now and it ends up being more valuable down the road and you kind of pulled the trigger too early. Yeah, I think you guys both kind of nailed it when you, you talked about the uncertainty. Um, if you all go back, all of our listeners go back and listen to the podcast that Jake and I did here a couple weeks ago where we ranked the – it was July 4th, 4th of July um, – when we ranked the Thunders, uh, not their own first-round picks because obviously those are going to be some of the most valuable uh, – <clears throat> excuse me, moving forward – but the picks that they've acquired, <coughs> excuse me, I choked. Um, we, we talked about those Clippers unprotected picks, especially so far out. Um, and just because of that, <laughs> being unable to predict those and, and what those will be like um, as, as being some of the most valuable. So I think in this case, right, like not only does the pick that you guys are talking about, this upcoming uh, Clippers pick that the Thunder own, um, skyrocket in value, but so do some of these others as well. So to answer your question, Jacob, like by itself, uh, if we're talking about that pick specifically, that 2022 pick, yes, it's gone up in value by itself. I, I, I don't know if that's like, you know, pick six and packaging pick six and that pick, if that's doing a lot for you, but what it will do, you know, we t- talked about sweeteners here on Sunday <laughs> in certain in certain trades. Like, I think that's a heck of a sweetener. Um, you might be able to throw that in compared to like, for example, we, we, we've talked a little bit about like Lou Dort in certain trades. You might be able to get away now with throwing in like some of these Clippers picks rather than trading a player like Lou Dort and being able to acquire a top five, top four talent without having to give up Dort, right? So I, I think that's, I mean, again, it all depends what's available on draft night. Like Nick and Kamiar mentioned, there's so much unknown in terms of the Clippers, what Kawhi does, what they end up doing with PG either way. You know, there's no telling, but um, I mean, it's all positive for the Thunder right now. 100%, you know, and, I don't think any anybody wishes injury on an NBA player. Uh, I certainly don't. <laughs> Patrick Beverly may be the exception here, um, but you know, I, I think Sam Presti is is sitting back, looking at those future Clippers picks, looking at that 2022 unprotected Clippers pick, and saying, "This is why I traded Paul George. This is why I cashed the f out when I could." Right? Because you exactly. never know what's going to happen. You know, I and as far as my opinion on this, I um, I am anxious and I don't have any patience. And I just say the pick has climbed in value. Trade that dadgum thing and go get pick three or four in this draft. I'm ready for it. I don't want to wait. Dang it! I'm ready to to make a move. I I know. I was doing the same thing. Like still two weeks away from the draft, and I just ugh. I'm tired of this limbo period. 100%. Well, gentlemen, let's let's move on from the LA Clippers and talk about some other teams. There have been some rumors circling around the internet regarding some players that are being uh, quote-unquote shopped for trade. And the Thunder have been mentioned, at least in some capacity, to both these guys. So I wanted to touch on them. Uh, Colin Sexton and Ben Simmons. Um, first off, I, I guess... 
since since they're both have been rumored to Oklahoma City, let's just start off with what would, regardless if you want them, if you want the Thunder to trade for them, if you think it's a good idea or not, let, let's bypass that for now and just talk. What would a trade for either of those guys look like to Oklahoma City? I talked about this Monday night. Um, I think I think Kevin Love is a an interesting piece of that. I think if Oklahoma City were to take on Kevin Love in a Colin Sexton deal, um, you have to send one less pick to make that happen. Like I think he's a minus one on the pick side of things. If that's if it's going to be like a a pick package of some sort, just because you're taking on that salary, I don't think that's mm-hmm. that's anything that Sam Presti is afraid to do either. Um, but I do think there's just like any team and, and this is absolutely something Cleveland should expect when they're trading a guy like Sexton, no team, many, let me rephrase that many teams are not just going to take a pick package. They're going to want picks and some young promising player. And, you know, Oklahoma city has a lot of young, um, potentially promising players. Um, but the guys that are truly young and promising, I would really just categorize that as as Dort and Shea at this point. A lot of the other guys are just potentially promising. I just don't know if Oklahoma City has the the young guy to to make a deal like that work. Yeah, and and Nick, I talked about this on a green room last night, but the report that came out from the Athletic mentioned that what you just said the the Cleveland Cavaliers would be interested in trading. Colin Sexton in a package with Kevin Love. That one doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because at that point, aren't you just severely diluting the value of Colin Sexton uh, by himself in a trade? Um, no, I, I mean, in, in certain scenarios, certainly, but I think that moving love opens up a lot of doors, even if, even in a scenario where that does dilute Sexton's trade value a little bit, it opens up so many other doors that I think it's almost worth it, A. And then B, I just think it opens up the opportunities for trade partners. Um, just considering, you know, the option of throwing in that big salary, you can start to mess around with packages a little bit more since you're not just yep. looking at Sexton's rookie deal to Matt. I was going to say this. I, I very much agree with Nick. I think it's more of a uh, perk right? Uh, almost in a way, a kind of an intangible asset that you can attach in a trade. Um, there aren't many teams who could take on that salary and, you know, and trade for both of them um, without giving something big and return up. The Thunder are one of those teams that can do that, that have the luxury of doing that because of the cap space that they have. So that's almost a luxury um, or a, it's a luxury for OKC to have that opportunity, but also like an asset, I think in a way to be able to take on the contract that Kevin Love um, also be able to, if you are in this hypothetical situation trading for sex and you're going to be assigning him to a new contract, being able to take on that salary as well. Um, I don't know. I kind of view it more so as, like I said, an, an intangible asset that you can use in this trade, um, leverage that other teams may not be able to use. With all this being said, I know you said that we shouldn't dive too deep into this, Jacob, but I'm not, I'm just not really sure how uh, serious the Thunder are about trading for Colin Sexton um, or how interested they would be in Sexton. I absolutely love Colin Sexton. I think he could be a really nice compliment to Shea just as a scorer. And, of course, he would take another guard 
out of Cleveland and hopefully rehab their abilities and what they can do. And maybe if their jump shot or their free throw is just a little off, they just step two steps to the left and instead of actually fixing their jump shot like Dion Waiters. <laughs> Dion. That's a cool, I love that. It's so good. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I get the whole situation and like especially the diluting of the value of context and they have to get paid soon. And but whole Ben Simmons, uh, count me out of any of those rumors ever, please. I don't want any of that near OKC. So that's just me. Wait, hold on. Before we move on from Ben Simmons, um, my dream team to for uh, Colin Sexton to be traded to, and you guys have probably seen this on Twitter, um, but for him to be traded to the Knicks, so we go from Sexland, right, Sexton and Garland, um, to Quick Sex, Quicklin, or oh. Quicklin. Quickly oh my God, Taylor! <laughs> that make a great shirt. So we we make love come and go shirts so in Oklahoma. They would love so the, the quick sex shirts. Quick sex. Hey, I'm I'm a fan of efficiency. All right. Um, also, I I think Colin Sexton to the Knicks is a funny one because the Knicks are the team that has cap space and very much needs a point guard. And if they pull off a Sexton trade, all the free agent point guards. And their agents are going to like collectively groan because that was the one place you could get a payday, and then now everybody's going to be left out to dry. Which I just true find Brenda's find a, amusing. Not to take us down a rabbit, we, we still need to get into Ben Simmons. Uh, but <laughs> um, friend of the pod, Jake Fisher, today mentioned um, or linked the Knicks to Dennis Schroeder, former Thunder player. So it's kind of interesting. Interesting. I like that. Taylor, story. you completely just missed out on a better opportunity of Poku Sexty. <laughs> Poku Sexty. <laughs> hey, I'm, That's I'll Poku take it all, sexy. man. Um, <laughs> I know Kamiar said he is totally out on a Ben Simmons trade to OKC. I think that's probably the, the vibe of a lot of Thunder fans. But I do want to talk about what a realistic – Ben Simmons to OKC trade package would have to look like. Um, I think there's, and it's been reported a lot that there, there is significant value for Ben Simmons across the league. Uh, teams like Cleveland have been mentioned for Ben Simmons, Sacramento. Uh, I actually threw together a three team trade of Oklahoma city, uh, Cleveland and Philadelphia that sent Ben Simmons. To... You love a good three team trade. Oh, d- Hey, <laughs> I'm a big fan of a three way. All right. Fair S- enough. Sending Ben Simmons to Cleveland uh, and, and the thunder uh, getting pick three back in return. Um, but, but that aside, what does just a straight up thunder 76ers trade look like to get Ben Simmons in OKC? Okay, so I was listening to the mismatch today, which is uh, the Ringer. It, it's now uh, like its own feed, but it used to be part of the, the Ringer NBA podcast um, with Kevin O'Connor and uh, Chris Vernon. And what Kevin O'Connor said that he's hearing, and this makes a ton of sense, right, is that um, the player that um, – or I shouldn't say the players that they that the Sixers want return, but the Sixers want to recoup enough assets in a Ben Simmons trade to go after a – uh, Damian Lillard or a Bradley Bill. Not that Bradley Bill's official on the trade block, but um, you know, obviously, we, you know, we, we've talked in the past about the Damian Lillard rumors that came out here about a month ago. There's no other t- other than the Thunder or maybe the Pelicans that could offer that many assets um, 
the combination of young players and great picks, like we've, we've talked so much about, for Ben Simmons. So if you could get Simmons for nothing but a, like a, a handful of picks and some combination maybe a, of a, a young player or two, um, I'm not really sure what that would look like, what players they would throw in there, what the, what Maury would ask for, because obviously he's going to start high, and I'm not sure what him and Presley would settle on. But, like, for example, if you could throw in, like, I mean, it, it may it may take Lou, but if you could get Simmons for, like, a, a pick package and then, like, Tail and Baisley or something like that, I think it's worth it. And then the Sixers can go and use those assets to go and try and acquire a Damian Lillard or a Bradley Bill or the next superstar that comes on the market. Um, hey. All about to say, I just I, I found Kevin O'Connor's comments there um, interesting. Sorry. No, I know. I, I I see that kind of logic. It would have to be, if not a three team trade that made it all happen at once, kind of a bang bang. True. Like, like good the, point. The uh, Sixers know that the Wizards would take, you know, this package through the Thunder um, because I, I just don't see a world where they do the Sixers that. would trade yeah, Ben Simmons and not get back a guy that makes them good and risk like, oh, we're going to go try to find a guy now because then you're stuck with a not a mediocre team, but certainly that's a fantastic point. Um, it would have to be a situation like you said, Nick, where just specific example here where uh, Damian Lillard comes back to Chris Haynes this time and says, I am officially requesting a trade. Then the Thunder can go and make that happen. And uh, you're exactly right. It's interesting. I I was talking to some guys last night that think that uh, Kemba Walker and pick number six gets a Ben Simmons deal done. That's just, that's not something I, I feel like I'm interested in. Um, from a lot of standpoints, right? I, I'd rather have pick six than Ben. Uh, I would rather have the smaller contract for a longer period of time than have Ben Simmons for four years. Right. Um, I'm, I'm with Kamiar. And the, the, Sixers, the Sixers are not considering that either way. That I was wondering that from both sides. Yeah, no, I'm with you, Nick. Like they, they want that all-star in return or like Kevin O'Connor mentioned, the, the assets to be able to acquire a all-star superstar kind of player. Um, but no, I'm with you, Jacob. Like, for example, I mean, look, there's a good chance that the Thunder don't end up with Scotty Barnes come draft night. Um, but like, Scotty Barnes just seems like cheaper, younger Ben Simmons to me at this point of his career, does he not? And there's maybe some similarities there. I don't know if I'd I'd compare them. Um, I, I still super like- close. Every report we've seen of teams that are calling about Ben Simmons, the Sixers have have been expecting too much. They reportedly shot down Malcolm Brogdon in a first-round pick. Uh, if yeah. you're shooting that down, you ain't taking Kimba in a first That's exactly what I thought, Nick. When I was like, well, how, like Malcolm Brogdon, he is older, but he'd be a really good fundamental point guard for what the Sixers need. And if that's like the shopping, that there's no way – like you said, Kemba and six would work. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's been those rumors also out there that, um, uh, Daryl Morey wants Damian Lillard. Like, I don't think a Ben Simmons package is getting you Damian Lillard. Um, now maybe a Ben Simmons and every pick you have, which Philly is limited on picks. They can trade because they have a protected pick coming to OKC. 
So in order to open up trading other firsts, Philly would have to unprotect that Thunder pick. So, hey, I'm cool with that. Sign me up. That's, you know, making a team in the West worse. Uh, if if Dame goes to Philly and it gets the Thunder, uh, the protections moved off of that Philly pick. That's a that's a win-win in my book. Do you really want a team in the West to be worse? That's true. Not right now. <laughs> in about three years, yes. Maybe yes. not right now, though. No, that, that that's a good point. That's a good point. So, okay, well, guys, to to wrap us up tonight. Speaking of trades, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Thunder fans, Thunder Twitter, everybody who, who has ever cheered for this team has been infinitely frustrated this week uh, and really the past two weeks with hypothetical Shea Gilgis-Alexander trades that the internet is throwing out to try to get the Thunder to trade up in the draft. I think the most notable one, the trade that the Athletic put out, the hypothetical of SGA and six for pick number one. I think both teams, for the record, say no to that trade. Uh, That's just my opinion, though. Somebody said Shea for pick number four. That might have been another Athletic article. Um, I saw some Laker fan today, which he doesn't count as, as anybody, but said Shay for, uh, like Kuzma and, yes, um, that was wild. Yeah. Somebody tagged you and I in that. Yeah. I just laughed. It was like Shay to Chicago and a three team trade and like the Thunder and Kuzma and, oh And the the Lakers end up with Levine and, um, um, 
who's the guy I'm I'm forgetting? He's down in San Antonio, played in Toronto. Oh, played in Toronto. Jakob Pertl. Uh, Jakob Pertl. No, no, the guy from Compton. Demar Derozan. The, Demar Derozan. They said they were oh. going to get Demar on like the taxpayer MLE, and then the Thunder were going to trade Shea to Chicago so the the Lakers could get Levine. And I was like, man, I don't know what type of what? drugs you're on right now. Exactly. Stop. Get help. But so all of this to be said, Thunder fans have been very offended by the Shea Gilgis Alexander trades and and the perceived uh, quote unquote low value of Shea whenever national media uh, is referring to Shea Shea trades. And so I wanted to do an exercise here. I have gone back over the past three or four drafts here and looked at all the players in the league that are still right now on their rookie scale contracts. And I've picked out some of the best. And I want to ask you guys, I want to play a game of who says no in a straight up Shea Gilgis Alexander for this other player trade to really kind of, this is an exercise I think really just to, to gauge what we think the value of Shea Gilgis Alexander is amongst his, his young peers. So I'm going to throw out a name here and I want you three to tell me which team says no, the Thunder or the, the team they're trading Shea to um, and, and in an order to determine Shea's value. All right, you guys ready to go? I like it. Here we go. First one, Shea Gilgis Alexander for Jason Tatum. Who says no? Boston. Boston, Correct. yeah. Yep. yep. I think so too. I think I think Jason Tater it, J- Jason Tater. Jason we Tater. should start calling him that. That's <laughs> fun. Tater Jason, thought. Yeah. What's Tater's precious? <laughs> what um, do I? <laughs> Jason Tatum, I think, is, is unequivocally a better player than Shea, and, and and that's fine. Jason Tatum is freaking good. Next one. Shea Gilgis Alexander for De'Aaron Fox. This is like who this says is no. so interesting. Ooh, that's fun. Both teams. I, mean, I think both teams both, say no. Yeah, yeah I, like I agree. That. That's that's like that's that. better, Nick. Yeah, I like that. I both teams like because I can't see see who would say no, and I think they both just would because they right. have bring such diverse skill sets. But they're both right. young and really, really like. Prom- for the if record, had- though, and for the purpose of this exercise, yeah, what, what Jake was about to, to ask. Yes, I'm taking Shea over Dr. Fox. That's kind of an unpopular opinion right now. I think. Do you two um, agree with that? Thunder fan, but I'm taking Shea. I think he's more versatile. Um. I will. I'll admit I didn't watch enough of De'Aaron last year, and I'm not going to be the box score guy, so I, I can't answer that. I think OKC keeps Shea because he has a much more diverse kind of skill set than what De'Aaron gives you. De'Aaron is like really quick, and he's really really good, uh, especially just man defense in general. But in such good feel for the game. But I think Sacramento and OKC both genuinely like what they have better uh i still take shay i think i agree with you next one shay gilgis alexander for jonathan isaac this thunder. one's pretty easy the thunder yeah, thunder. thunder. Yeah. yeah no way one plays one I mean, doesn't i still like isaac a lot but yeah exactly and, and not only that like even when isaac was playing he just isn't making the leaps that shay's already yep. yeah 
Um, I don't think he'd ever be available, but if he was, Jonathan Isaac is a guy I really like the Thunder to try to go make a trade for. Absolutely. I mean, older, older Scotty Barnes, you mean? That, that's, I like uh, that yeah, one. that's a good comp. Both came, both came from Florida yep. State, too. There's a lot of similarities between Jonathan Isaac, Patrick Williams, and Scotty Barnes, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one. This one has been, Calmier is going to love this one because this one has been a topic <laughs> of debate for the Oklahoma City Thunder for over a year now. Shea Gilgis Alexander for Donovan Mitchell. No. He says no. I, okay, well, 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 I mean, like, if it's the actual OKC organization, Jazz. Probably, probably still no, but I think the Jazz would also say no, considering, like, like, is this just, like, in a time vacuum, or is this, like, where the teams are right now? Because OKC definitely says no if, if for the timeline of the team. And then the, the, the Mitchell Jazz, they definitely say no for the same purpose. Yeah, so I, I think both teams would say no. Which which player do you just think unabashedly is better, come here? Right now it's Donovan Mitchell. Uh in a couple of years it might be Shea. Yeah, I I I think I agree with you. Donovan Mitchell I think is definitely I'm a better player now. It's kind of especially especially from his playoff performances. It's similar to not to go off the rails, it's similar to like Jalen Green versus uh Cade Cunningham. Like I would argue with you all day long that Jalen Green is the best player like today that's entering this draft, but Cade's got the higher ceiling. And I think it's probably a similar story with uh, Shea and Donnie. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's an interesting one. I like that one. Next one. Shea Gilgis Alexander for Bam Adebayo. <laughs> okay. See, they say no. Okay. So he says no, for sure. I just yeah, don't know about Miami. Also. I think yeah, Miami would do it. Shea, Shea really? is the better player here, yes? Yeah, yeah. for yes. sure. Yeah. With the highest okay. ceiling. That was an easy one. Next one. Th- this is a fun one as this guy is playing right now. Shea Gilgis Alexander or DeAndre Ayton? Who says no? Oh, that's Thunder. fun. Uh, I, still like Sh- I still like Shea. Your team's not going to grow around as much uh, around big men these days. They used to when Patrick Ewing was in the NBA. But you, to, uh, to really start a team, you need a like some sort of ball handler, point guard, shooting guard that can really uh, ball, uh, take ball control and actually win you games. I think building around a big man at this point for OKC is not what they would want to do. Uh, but the Suns, I think, might say... Ugh. The Suns will probably say no to. I think. I, I think for roster building, it doesn't make sense for the Suns. But again, the, right. the, the point the point of this exercise is which player do you think is better? Exactly. So, with that being said, who would you guys pick out of eight or Shea? I, oh, I think if I'll Chris opts if Chris opts out in two weeks, I think they take that deal. Mm-hmm. They'd rather give Shea a max than DeAndre Ayton a max. Not that that's he's not true. deserving, but right, that's, that's, that's true. I, yeah, that's a good point. I still think yeah. Shea is a better player. I think he still has a lot more to be able to add to his game, and I think he has a lot more to give as far as, like, Shea is getting muscular and stuff. Like he's getting cut up, but what happens if one season Shea puts on, like, another 10 extra pounds on what else he can load management for your team? DeAndre Ayton's not going to go out there and drop 60 points a night. I bet Shea could drop 55, 60 points one night, uh, just given the night. So I go Shea 100% of the time. I was going to say, if you're doing, like, if we if we put it this way, if we're doing a redraft of that draft, um, you're going Luca, you're going Trey, and honestly, like, I probably go Shea at three. Um, I'm taking Shea over uh, Aiden <laughs> in that redraft. Um, so, yeah. It's, yeah. I'm, it, I'm it's, here all- that 2018 class, man. 
was a hell of a draft class. Speaking of, next one, Shea Gilgis-Alexander or Trey Young? Trey See, this – I mean, and Lena says – Don't no. overthink it. Don't overthink right. it. Trey, Trey impacts the game more. Trey impacts the game more just by what he can do already. I mean, like, the, we're, always, we're already talking about him being maybe Steph Curry, but he's already much younger than when Steph was in the league. He didn't have to fix his jump shot and what he can do at that age and continue on to add to his game. I think he's ahead of Shea where he was when he came in the NBA, yeah. and I think he'll con- continue to grow. So Shea's, uh, uh, Trey's a better player, uh, but I think Shea could still, I don't know, I feel like Shea could still give you more skill because, like, basketball is not just a one-sided game. Shea offers you so much defensive versatility, too, and it's not a weakness on the floor. Uh, so I still think there's a lot of room to grow for Shea, uh, not as much room to grow height-wise and hair-wise for Trey. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, put it, let's put it this way. Like, we're, we're evaluating, like, it's, it's hard because you're talking about now versus future. I think Shea could evolve, but so could Trey. Um, and it's not, it's not Shea's fault that he hasn't been in this situation, That's but yeah, we've seen Trey be a flat out superstar on the big stage. Yeah, um, you're right. Shea, like, like what if Shea is, is a Paul George, like he emerges, he looks like he's going to be this next kind of superstar in the league and then just kind of plateaus and never can get it done in the playoffs. Like it's, it's so hard. Like we put him on a pedestal and, and he's given us no reason to think he's not just going to continue to improve, but like Trey's done it and you take the guy that's done it over the guy that has not Yeah. I, I, think I think that's spot on to, to Kamiar's point as well. You know, I, I think the size of, of Shay uh, gives you a little more versatility, right? Like Shea six, six Trey's what? Six, one, six, two. Uh, I, th- I think that has impact defensively. That has impact at the rim. Um, this is a, we're not going to go down this rabbit hole because this is a hypothetical we could talk about for the next two hours. But if you picked up, picked Trey out of that Atlanta Hawks lineup and dropped Shea in there, would could Shea oh, man, get, get the Hawks to the same level of the playoffs uh, or built around that team that Trey did, right? And, and we're never going to come to a consensus answer on that, right? Because it's a hypothetical, but it's just an interesting thought experiment. One, one thing about Trey that I think is, is super underrated, everyone talks about his three-point shooting and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think people realize how influential as a leader without even talking that he is. Like going into these opposing arenas and taking on the crowd hate and um, feeding Playing off that so energy and then making his teammates feed off of his energy is like, that is something you cannot coach, not something you can teach, something you can develop. Like he is a legitimate, like teams enjoy or his teammates enjoy playing with him and rise to a different level when he's around them. Like that is, that is. You're exactly right. And he has that more so than Shea does at this point, but in a, like a completely opposite way, I think Shea impacts his teammates in a similar way, just by how calm, cool, collective and confident he is on the court. Um, a leader by example. Um, that, that I think Shea elevates his teammates in a similar fashion as well, just in a completely different way. But again, Nick, to your point, um, for, you know, and again, in the context of this exercise in a vacuum, you're taking Shea right now, or sorry, excuse me, you're taking Trey right now. Absolutely. But kind of like we talked about earlier in this situation, I think my answer for this question, Jacob is, uh, both teams say no. Yeah. I don't think you're, you're taking Trey on for Shea straight up if you're the Thunder. 
Okay, next one. I think this one will be a lot shorter conversation. That Trey one was really fascinating. I think this one will be a lot shorter, though. Uh, another one of those 2018 class. Jaron Jackson Jr. Okay, say says no. And Shay's a better player. I agree. Easy, easy I enough. I like Triple J, but yeah. Yeah, I like Triple J as well. But Shea is the better player. He's the better prospect. And the Thunder say no immediately. Nick, do you have some dissenting view here? Um, I sort of do, but I don't want to get No, do it. Do it. That's why we're on. <laughs> um, I, I, like, obviously, he gets, he gets hurt. Like, he hasn't been super healthy. Um, I just think that, that Jaron Jackson Jr., when he's healthy, like, what he's shown, like, his versatility, um, I still think that, that he could be a top five big in this league. Like, mushing centers and power forwards together and he's so young and so versatile and all the things that everyone raves about when it comes to Evan Mobley and how he could be like a number one guy on a team like that is Jaron Jackson Jr. when he's healthy and um, I don't know it's 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 easy to say that because he hasn't played a ton um, but when he has been on the floor like he has been spectacular. That's fair. Interesting. I, I just don't know if he brings the athleticism or the, um, I was about to say the quickness of feet, the, uh, the footwork. <laughs> I, I just, I don't think like you can impact Mobley. the game as much as Shea will be able to. Or even a Mobley. Like in the modern yeah. NBA, you, you need a guy that Agreed. can have the ball in his hands and create. And Jackson can do a lot of things. I don't think he but can do that. And I think that just has so much yeah. more value. Hot take. Agreed. I think he's the closest thing to Anthony Davis we got in this league as a young guy. No, I think that's fair. I think that's interesting. I, I think his style is like Anthony Davis. Um, reaching that ceiling is, I, I think the the odds of that are, are very low, but there's a chance. Um, let's move on. Next one, I think this will go by pretty quick as well, even though we all like this guy. Shea or Mikhail Bridges? Oh, God. Shea, easy. Yeah. Shea, yeah, 100% of the time. 100% of the time. I love Mikhail Bridges. He, yep. <laughs> we all, yep. Dort, Dort Mikhail is a better argument. Oh yeah! yeah. Oh, that's, that's just me. That's really fun because <laughs> Mikhail's really good. Better. I like yeah. Mikhail a oh, lot. Yeah. Uh, next one, I know Nick's going to have more to say on this one. Shea or Michael Porter Jr. Oh, I think I think Shea, and it's not close. Yeah, you take Ooh, Shea. Wow, oh, I figured Nick would go the opposite that surprises way. Me. No, I no. think I I'm not speaking for you, Nick. So, but tell me if this is right. I think you think. That Michael Porter Jr. is a really, really good, young, promising player that could be like a legitimate kind of like Robin guy maybe in the NBA uh, to somebody else in the next like few years. Yep. Or even exactly the, perfect right. fit, the perfect fit alongside a player like Shea. Um, yeah, no, I'm with you guys. I, I wasn't expecting you all to think it was that close or that, that it wasn't that close. Um, but the versatility that Shea presents – um, and also like, I just like it, it, I have this perfect image of what Michael Porter Jr. could be in my head, right? Like the ultimate score, uh, almost a KD esque score minus some of the other things, obviously that Kevin, Kevin Durant can do, um, on the court. But even then I just, the, uh, yeah, I, I, I think you have to go share the versatility that he presents and I, Michael Porter Jr. really at this point of his career is just a score. And the injury concerns. But that's a really fun idea because we know how good he is offensively. If he gets a defensive game at all, he's going to be really yeah. special. Yeah. yeah. He has a uh, for it. 
next two, I'm really excited to see how you guys feel about these next two uh, because I think they're going to be very polarizing. Shea or John Morant? That's oh, evil. <laughs> I think but that's another that's another one where both teams are saying no. Like they're the fan yeah. bases are so attached, the teams are so attached. Um, Agreed. Which, which player is better then? Be, that's not mm. fair. Which, which one? Which one is better? Which one do you think is going to be a better NBA career? Shea is more. Shea has more in his bag right now, and he's more skilled now. Um, and in seven years, he will still be more skilled and probably have a much better jump shot. Whereas John ja Morant, if he doesn't. If Ja Morant does not develop more of his shooting skills, like mid-range and long, he has that cotton shot that Russ used to have, which is always fun to watch, and he has a pretty okay floater. But if he does not change his game up a little bit more, he's going to end up like, I mean, he's going to end up like a special guy like D-Wade or Russ, right? That's what he reminds us of. But I think Shea, at the end of the day, has already so much in his bag and so much more ceiling to his player um, that I still go Shea here, but like Nick said, Memphis says no. OKC says no. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's I think if, spot if on. the league had a fantasy style draft tomorrow, Jaw goes above Shea. I, I agree with that I too. Agree. I, I think the consensus outside of um, like maybe some of the hardcore like draft gurus, like the team, the teamings and um, the John uh, Jonathan Wassermans and. Um, and obviously OKC fans, like maybe some of those people and obviously us are going to Ling Che, but I think the general consensus amongst NBA fans, <laughs> NBA fandom is jaw here just because of the explosiveness and the excitement that he brings. And um, yeah, also I was what say he this, was able to do on the, in the play-in. I was going to say, Taylor, I, I, I think people like jaw more, uh, really two reasons. Number one, I think the, the highlight reel, Right, he's a guy that's yep. exciting. He puts butts in seats. He he's awesome to watch play basketball. Where Shea's game is so much more unorthodox and herky jerky and smooth. You know, you can just watch Jaw go put people on a on a poster. Also, I think where they were taking the draft matters a lot too. I think people see Jaw's number two and say, "Oh man, it, it's got to be Jaw." Where if you flip them and Shea went two and Jaw went thirteen. I think that changes the narrative. That's a really right? good point. And so, really good point. Also, that, Memphis right now, like to to Nick's point about um, Triple J, right, and then just their team in general. And it, you know, Kamiar, Jacob, myself, we all went together to watch the playing game between um, the Grizzlies and the Warriors. It, it, he he's been on more of a national stage, and at this point of <laughs> OKC's. Uh, where they find themselves right now and just like during this rebuild Shea isn't on that stage yet and like I, I guess kind of the overall theme um, one of the first points you brought up Jacob about all these SGA trades the reason I think we're seeing a lot of these is because there's a, a lot of analysts that selfishly know that you know OKC is going through this rebuild so Shea may not be on a big national stage for another year another two years another four years whatever it may be um, so yeah, I, I, I think that plays a, a part in it as well. Just the national stage. Definitely. Definitely. It's an interesting one. And, and call me, I think you hit the nail on the head that jaw has to diversify his game. He's got a lot of Westbrook in him, a lot of athleticism where Shea's career right now projects to be longer because it's all skill-based, right? You don't see Shea get up and throw down tomahawk dunks. You see Shea lay the ball up. Shea's more about 
playing angles and ball handling and shooting, whereas Jaw is more about just overwhelming you with cutting and speed and, and leaping ability. I mean, I would like to see Shea dunk the ball cool sometimes. Same, yeah, yeah. 100%. No more explosiveness. It's kind of like, and look, Jaw's not Russell West, Westbrook exactly, and um, neither is Shea exactly Chris Paul. But it's a similar debate in terms of Chris Paul versus like a Russell Westbrook type of point guard. Yeah, for sure. All right, next one. Shea or R.J. Barrett? Shea, 100%. Shea. I like R.J. and what he did for the Knicks this year, but I'm taking Shea 100%. I think so, too. I'm with you. Okay, that was easy. Uh, I think the next two are going to go real fast, so let's just knock them out real quick. Tyler Hero. God. Why did you bring him up? Yeah, seriously. Because I'm just looking up players, all right? DeAndre Hunter. Oh, yeah, Shea. Shea. Okay, these last four are from this past draft, and this is where I think we get into some interesting debates, primarily because these last four, I think, have – we have less of a sample size for, and so there's still some unknown here. Shea or Anthony Edwards? Shea. Shea. Ooh. Shea. I I think Anthony Edwards can be really special, and I'm really excited to see what he does for the rest of his career. But I think still Shea, he's so much more skilled, and not that's not that's not to say that that Anthony Edwards couldn't get those skills because he's so still so young. Uh, but I think Shea naturally comes with them, especially with his rhythm. Uh, he has more to change up and diversify his game and skill sets still at the end. I though. I don't think Edwards is ever going to get those that skill set, but he's so explosive, and I think he has the the scoring ability to be a just a one of the best scorers in the game um, when he's at his peak. And that's where I'm like really torn. Um, but to your guys's point, the way the league's trending, um, the way that players are able, are able to impact the game outside of scoring, I think I have to go Shea here as well. Yeah, I think I'm with you guys. Uh, this one will probably this one's impossible because we have such a small sample size, but I had Shea or James Wiseman on here. Yep. Um, We all know Shea, but but, uh, there's just, there's there's nothing to base that one off of. Right. Uh, This one's a fun one. Shea or LaMelo ball. LaMelo. Oh, Nick shot that one off fast. LaMelo is, he's got the same frame. So he's got the same upside as far as what he could do. Like he could play defense. He's long. He's shown he can pass. He's shown he can rebound. He's shown he can score. Like smoother shot than Shea, I think. As far as like the release, Shea still got kind of that funky, slow release. I think. I think Lamelo's more athletic. Like I just think he's got. He's he's really got it all. And, and I don't. I don't know why. Um, I don't know why he was knocked so much coming in as a as a draft prospect because they uh, people overanalyzed his. 17 year old numbers in Australia and that he shot half court shots on bleacher report. But like the kid's special. I go Lamelo too. I think he is so, so talented that I thought it was a shame that he got hurt in the middle of the year that he is just so, so talented and he was flashy and with it and like with the swagger too. And he has, I think he has, like you said, he has the same frame as Shea. Uh, I think he's got a lot to offer, and I think in the future he'll probably be better than Shea. Yeah, I think he'll be an all-star. I think that's the biggest thing there is the ceiling. Um, obviously, we still think Shea has a very, very high ceiling, but uh, when it comes down to it, like Lomelo could be one of the top point guards 
if not the top point guard in, in the league at some point, just based off the IQ that he's already displayed. Um, he put a lot of, I think, some of the things that I was concerned about heading into last year's draft. Um, he kind of put those to ease <laughs> with with his play this past season, primarily the self selfishness and, like Nick kind of mentioned, the the shooting concerns. Um, I mean, he looked great, and he he proved that he can play with these guys on on a national level or a uh, a pro level. So. Yeah, I think I think I'm with you both. Unfortunately, last one: Shea or Tyrese Halliburton? Shea. This is a really fun one because I think Tyrese is one of those guys who kind of is a similar prospect to what Shea was when he came into the league. But yes, at this point, similar draft range before, too, Taylor. Yeah, that's a good point. What was was Tyrese eleven and Shea twelve? No, I think twelve and thirteen. But twelve and thirteen, I still um, go Shea. But. I go Shea as well, but Tyrese is interesting. The only thing about Tyrese that made him go low versus Shea, Tyrese is already 21. He'll be 22 at the end of next season. Yeah. So the the whole point of this activity, and we we did 18 players here, was to compare Shea to some of his peers uh, because of how many hypothetical trades Shea is being thrown into. Uh, From what we said here, uh, that that Shea plus six for number one would be like the same as De'Aaron Fox and six for number one, or the same as Trey Young and six for number one, or the same for Michael yep. Porter Jr. and six, or John Morant and six, Anthony that's Edwards really, and six. That's good context. I Very think. Good I context. think. Yeah, I think if those trades are being floated, most of NBA media would say like, "Oh, that's that's too much for number one, right?" And and but Shea doesn't get that that same type of respect. At least it doesn't seem like that. And, and again, I don't think it's disrespect, right? We're just throwing people are just throwing out hypotheticals because it's it's draft and trade season. And it's time to get guys. It's it's time to get clicks on articles for for different guys, you know. But it's um, also think, dead season, right? There's something yes. going on outside the finals, and so you you need those clicks. I now, think I will the, say. I think the context is interesting. No, I will. Yes, yes. Which it, it was going to ruin me to my final point. I think we do this exercise again in a year. And I want to save some of this for our uh, preseason bet annual podcast that we do. But I am really, really uh, excited to see the leap and, and, and see Shay just kind of unleashed. Um, you know, no tanking, holding him back necessarily. Um, hopefully, so not with no injuries. Yeah, I know. Hopefully no injuries, um, especially if Kimba isn't on the team. I just think if we get a full season of Shea, what he was doing there all the way up until you know mid, late March, I think this exercise is going, it's going to be very different when we, when we revisit it next year. Yeah, it's very fair. It's very fair. All right, guys. Well, uh, any of you guys have any thoughts, comments before – we take some questions from the chat and then get out of here. Only comment is I got to get rolling, but it was a pleasure talking to you guys, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Let's do it again sometime, Nick. <laughs> Call me R. Taylor. You guys cool to take a, a trip through the comments real quick? Yeah, that's Let's fine. I'm just watching this Suns game, and I'm me pretty too. anxious. <laughs> me too. It's a pretty good see, game. Look, it's I'm a pretty good quality. game. As of right now, until Spotify gets to this point, and I know they will, um, the quality isn't quite the same as our, our normal podcast that, that we record that isn't on Green Room. But I do love the ability to be able to just throw on my AirPods and then sit in front of the TV and like, call me or sit watch the game. Very much so. 
All right. Well, if anybody here in the green room chat uh, has any questions, comments, whatever that you haven't already gotten in the, in the text chat, feel free to throw them in. Uh, if anyone would like to hop up here and give us a question or a comment live, uh, feel free to hit that request button. Uh, and I'm going to scroll through some of these comments. Cool. Uh, Nate Sanders asks, are y'all going to Summer League? We are in the process of figuring that out, Nate. So uh, <laughs> hang on. We are very hopeful. Yes. Very hopeful. Um, let's see what else Nick we got. be there, right? I think Nick will be there regardless, yes. True. Good point. Good point. Um, Sorry, this is this is a lot of comments. I know, just yeah, lots of comments. Not finding a whole lot of lot of questions. Um, They're more towards like yeah, towards the bottom of the chat. <laughs> yes. Uh, Keithan says, "Can't wait for OKC to get picks one and two next year. The Clippers picking their own pick, and then we'll have to listen to all the rumors of them trading back." That's good. I like that. <laughs> That's really funny. Keithan's a <laughs> Keithan's a great guy, man. Kiwi Greg says that 2023 LA Clippers swap looks a lot like when Benyama. That's really that be yeah. Incredible. That's really fun because oh man, again the whole Kawhi stuff. Like we saw what happened with him and the medical staff in San Antonio, and also the the brother probably just went to gas San Antonio, and but like. You saw what happened there. He gets injured here. He had say same met issue with the medical staff, and like, could this really change their program now? What if Kawhi wants to leave in a couple of years? It's just so weird because he definitely has no loyalties, but his decisions are so diverse. Yeah, it's a good point. He's True. maybe the hard, hardest guy in the whole league to uh, to get a read on. Got to talk to his uncle, Uncle Dennis, man. <laughs> Keithan also says Sexton Love sounds like a self-help book about intimacy. <laughs> Sean asks, can Kevin Love fit into the Thunder's trade exception? Um, I don't know if he can fit into one of the exceptions, but the Thunder are so far under the cap. The Thunder could trade for Kevin Love and give nothing back in return and just absorb the salary. I love that. Which is crazy. Yeah. Um, Hayden, Taylor's own brother, asked, would you rather trade for Simmons and give up Lou or sign Lonzo Ball? Sign Lonzo. Sign Lonzo. Sign Lonzo, yeah. Yep. I think I'm there as well. You don't have to give anything up. No, like a more interesting question is, would you rather trade for Simmons and give up Lou or sign and trade for Lonzo? And then it gets interesting. Yeah. I, I think so. But Thunder in a good position, like we talked about, like with Kevin Love, um, you don't have to do that. You can just sign them out right. Definitely. Um, we have a few speaker requests here. Marcus wants to hop up on the stage. Marcus, how's it going? Good. How's it going with you guys? Doing up, well. Doing well. Marcus, what so, do you got for us? Uh, back to the Trey uh, Shea um, conversation. I would have just thrown this in the chat, but I'm on Android and it doesn't let me chat. <laughs> uh, but uh, what do you guys? Is there intrinsic value? Like if that tra- if that trade were ever to pop up, is there any? I don't think with Presty, maybe not, but uh, uh, but uh, would the ownership of the Thunder uh, have uh, 
more interest in bringing Trey in over uh, over Shea simply because of his roots here in Oklahoma and the marketability that that brings. Butts and seats. That's a really good point. No, granted, like I, I don't know. It, if you have a fun, exciting young team, uh, the Thunders are starting to come out of the rebuild, led by Shea. That's going to be a hard sell to the fan base just because they've gotten so attached. But to your point, Marcus, like <laughs> if that were to happen right now, there's a lot of like more casual fans I think that would show up and um, obviously be be excited because yeah, Oklahoma's own Trey Young is back in the building. So that that's a fun. Fun exercise for sure. Definitely. I've always thought what happens uh, – I, I mean, I think we all assume Trey's going to sign a max extension with Atlanta this summer. Uh, that All the signs point to that. But in like five years, whenever Trey is an unrestricted free agent, is there any interest on his side to play for the Thunder? I mean, we know that he grew up going to Thunder games, talking to Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook at games. Uh, we know there's that, I mean, kind of the same thing with Blake Griffin, right? The Thunder don't get free agents. Their only chance to get free agents would be guys that are from Oklahoma who have an interesting, uh, or, an, or an interest in coming back to OKC. Um, I don't know if that would ever happen, but it would be interesting to see when he is an unrestricted free agent, if there's any interest in him coming back to Oklahoma City. Yeah, that'll be a good. Uh, it'll be a good test, I think, because I don't think Blake ever had the option, uh, really, because he just went from you know, you know, being out in LA and being the centerpiece of the Clippers, it was easy for him to resign, and then now Blake's not really valued at all. Um, I, I feel and, like, and yeah, it's it's title time for Blake now, right? It's not time yeah. to go to a rebuild. So not to again take us off topic here, but just uh. A little, uh, you know, I, I got some sources, um, and no, I don't really. My my source is my new next-door neighbor who is around my age that I've become friends with, um, <laughs> and his – trying to remember. It's like one of his best friends um, went to school with Blake, and, like, they're super close. Like, one time they were on the golf course, um, and Blake called my neighbor's uh, best friend. They were playing together, and Blake's like – Ask him for like financial advice over speakerphone. Anyways, apparently, um, when Blake was wanting to get out of Detroit, um, he's kind of gotten in like with some some girls in L.A., um, knocked some girls up, <laughs> and I, I think his family was kind of ready for him to like chill out, calm down. And anyways, what my neighbor told me, who I trust and has become a good friend of mine, um, and what his friend told him is that Blake told him directly that he was very interested in coming back to Oklahoma City. His agent put out the fillers, uh, tried to get them to, you know, bring Blake back on, but just Pressy had no interest whatsoever because of obviously the rebuild and the uh the the state that the Thunder are currently in. And so then from there Blake looks at other options. Um but I don't know how important a championship is to Blake at this point of his career if we're being completely honest. Sounds like he kinda wants to come home. Interesting. That's according to uh, Taylor's neighbors, friends, dogs, best friends, mothers, dogs, neighbors, former exactly. owners, yeah. sauces. Hey, uh, uh, I will say that I th- uh, after I get and then I'll pop off. Uh, Keith and I think won the chat by saying just draft Austin Reeves at six and you and problem solved. So Boomer. there you go. <laughs> God, if Presley hasn't got 
crap for bad draft picks before that would probably uh i'd probably take the cake so all right well thank you guys for tuning in to the uncontested those of you who hopped on green room tonight with us man it was a blast we love reading through the chat and the comments as as we record this and for those of you listening to the podcast version thank you so much go drop a five star rating while you're at it that would mean a lot to us and download the green room app come hang out with us monday wednesday and friday nights we will be back Friday, uh, not with the podcast, but with, just with a green room chat and hangout where we'll just talk hoops for about an hour on Friday night. And then join us Sunday at 9 p.m. Central Time on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook where we will go live for our weekly show. We are 15 days away from the NBA draft, folks. It is coming up. Lots to talk about. So we will be back with you soon. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you soon. And as always, thunder up. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.